0: Hello and welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Paul Kilby, the Editor-in-Chief of Fraud Magazine for the ACFE. And today I'm joined by Teja Birud, Chief Technology Officer and Founder of 4L Data Intelligence, an AI company that works to help healthcare providers and payers, insurance companies and governments reduce fraud, waste and abuse, among other things. brings more than 20 years of experience in analytics and artificial intelligence, primarily focused on solving payment and quality challenges for healthcare payers and public health agents. She's also the inventor of 4L data intelligence and AI platform. Tasia's career includes work in the government sector with the Ontario Ministry of Health in Canada and with the California State Compensation Insurance Fund, where she was an associate director over big data Data warehouse funk. He's also worked at IBM as a management consultant and in the IBM Innovation Lab focused on analytics. Uh, welcome, Tasha. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me here.
0: Not at all. Um, so, first, um, I just really wanted to maybe um, start. Obviously, this is about uh, AI. Um, so, I just really wanted to start and just talk a little bit about AI because I think for most of us, um, you know, it's a bit of a, a an exotic uh, sort of esoteric area. And I was just hoping perhaps you could sort of sort of simplify it a little bit for sort of the layman I mean, there's been a lot of talk about AI, especially since the launch of Chat GBT, uh, in uh, November, I believe last year. But it's still a bit of a mystery, at least to me. So I just wondered if you could sort of describe it a bit. Um, and maybe explain to us how it's perhaps different from sort of data analytics and machine learning that maybe some fraud examiners use to, to detect fraud.
1: Sure. So artificial intelligence is like a human intelligence. It's just artificially built by, to the machine. So we are programming the machine to think like a human being, reasoning, logic and analytical skills. So it's very different from data mining because in data mining, you know what you're looking for. You're kind of looking for answers for the questions. Whereas in artificial intelligence, you train the model and you're expecting the model to tell you some things that you did not know before. Uh, for example, a trend or a pattern that it's very hard to find uh, just by doing a data mining.
0: Right, so I guess data mining—you're you're putting in data. You know what the data is, and you kind of know what it's very sort of focused. Whereas I guess artificial intelligence, in a sense, does its own thinking because uh, it has access to to all information. Correct. Okay, so I mean, how far has this sort of technology come? I mean, how advanced has it uh, sort of moved in in recent years? I mean, I know there's—I um, guess there's always a little bit, lot of a little bit of hype around around these things when uh, when the press get hold of it but um, you know is it is it really a sort of a game changer at this point point? and you know how how is it sort of advancing
1: yeah since 2011 there is a lot of um, people knowing about AI it has been there forever for like almost 30 years but it more and more people are using it when I started uh, looking to see if I can find a patent on on and identifying fraud using AI, It was in 2017 and it was still kind of new. It was still people were talking about it, but not widely adopted as we see today. Mm -hmm. Um, It's no more just a trend. It's become a part of our uh, solutions for most of the technology these days. And ChatGPT is just another flavor that is added to it. For example, it makes business users ask simple questions and in the background, it'll go and fetch the answers for it without having a, a a programmer in between a business person and the data.
0: Right. I guess like a lot of technologies, it'll sort of get easier. And I mean, I guess Chat GPT has made it easier for sort of the everyday person to to use it now, right? I mean, that's sort of a and I, I assume, uh, just like computers, uh, it, it'll sort of become a sort of as you say more commonplace and and easier for everyone to, to access and use. Um, that is correct. Okay, so um so now that's all sort of established, I just really wanted to sort of get into um your sort of main area, which is obviously healthcare and uh fraud in that area. Um obviously there's a massive problem for lack of a better word in the sort of US medical system, um especially you know with abusive billing practice which account for billions of dollars lost every year, uh, whether it's, you know, waste or abuse or, or fraud. I think I've, I've got some stats here, from which I think you've actually provided, but it's uh, like from the National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association. They're estimating um, that uh, healthcare fraud costs for the nation are around 68 billion annually. Uh, which is about 3% of the nation's $2.26 trillion in healthcare spending. And uh, that, that 3% goes up to around 10%, according to, you know, depending on who you're talking to. So it's uh, 230 billion, according to Blue Cross Michigan. So just a sort of basic question to start with here it's, um, to, you know, I was trying to get a sense of why why there is so much fraud in, in healthcare and, and abuse of, of claims. And, you know, why, why has this problem gone on so long?
1: Medical billing and medical coding is an extremely complex process. It involves uh, permutations and combinations of uh, diagnosis, which we call ICD codes and procedures, CPT codes. So the conditions of the patient, the patient's age, comorbidity, so given all that combination and trying to find out if the code that was sent or the bill that was sent is accurate is an extremely complex process. And, Many rule-based system has rules built into it, uh, followed usually following the CMS guidelines. But still there are uh, cases where a lot of this can be overridden by um, medical procedures that needs medical necessity, but you see bills coming with without medical necessity and, and it's very hard to prove.
0: Right. So the, the complexity of it all has sort of made it a very sort of uh, particularly difficult um, area to to sort of detect and and prevent fraud in is, is is that correct? And obviously, aside from the fact that there's lots of money to be to be uh, stolen, I guess. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and when, when you talk about rules based, um, so what what do you mean by that exactly?
1: So CMS uh, as a federal agency has given guidelines, coding guidelines as to what procedure goes with what, uh, what diagnosis and how much of it can be provided. And I think it's extremely, again, complex, complex articles that they publish every quarter and it changes every quarter. So keeping up in tra- track with just that, those rules itself is, is a humongous task. On top of it, rule-based can, is only looking for rules to say if this if you see this diagnosis, this is the procedure, or this is the number of units you can provide. But if something else comes in the variation, that rule de- system the uh, rule-based system cannot detect it. And that's where we use AI to see if there is a pattern of billing which def- uh, uh, defies the normal guidelines. It's very hard for a rule-based system to detect that.
0: Right. So so that so at the moment, um, that, that's a sort of I'm just trying to understand what sort of controls are in place now uh that you know most um you know or p- payment integrity systems uh that insurers and payers have at the moment you sort of partly explain that with the rule-based stuff but just to get a better understanding of how that works and whether you think that's sort of a bit dated um i, I assume you do and uh and uh whether you know what why maybe the the u.s health system has been so slow in a, in adopting new new technology
1: so I would not call them dated. It's just they have built it for processing the transactions of a claim coming every day, right? There is volume of claims and there's a time limit where this pro- claims has to be processed. What gets, makes it very complex is if there is a deviation to those coding guidelines, then these editing systems cannot catch it. And that's where the providers are using those deviations to trick the system.
0: Right, so that, that's, that's sort of like, um, just so I understand properly, it's like maybe sort of upcoding or diagnosis, a sort of different diagnosis for a patient that that really isn't that ill, right? That 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 sort of thing is that is that correct?
1: There is upcoding, there is unbundling, there is diagnosis for a uh, uh, different age group that that is not applicable. Um, there are so many uh, to list, but but yes, but they have found out a ways, for example, a home health uh, services that may or may not be required for a patient uh, is rendered. And how do you really determine if it was actually required by the, for the patient? So uh, then it kind of goes into what was the medical necessity and, and how do you determine that this this was a fraud? And right. it gets complex really fast uh, as you start putting all these combinations.
0: Well, I wrote just one story and I I spent ages just trying to get my head around uh, how this all works and I still I'm still a bit confused to be honest but um so I mean is it is it a question of whether you know obviously um that's the way the systems develops but um have has have they been sort of slow in a, a adopting a new technology or is this AI still so new that you know they just need to ca- need to catch up with them on this one
1: So the health systems are very complex. They have integration with many third parties. So when they have to make a change to their existing workflow system, it it is not an easy task. It it expands over sometimes even years. So for them to take on to uh, adopting a new system, they really need to be committed to it. They need to test that and, and adopt it. And just based on the volume of transactions they have to do every single day. And for them to set aside time to then do that with a new system I think it's quite daunting and I understand their pain. So the way I see it is a technology like foral data intelligence should be sitting on top of their existing editing systems and find the outliers and either help them with the prepay or
0: postpay. So what I'm just trying to maybe get some case studies from you. I know you you had a few on your um on your website but I was trying to get sort of an idea what sort of some sort of the typical frauds. Um, that you are seeing in the healthcare system, you know, just from your perspective, uh, particularly, you know, in Medicaid and Medicare. Um, I know you mentioned things like the, I think it was the Fountain of Youth Doctor, which I thought was quite amusing, and um, some telehealth uh, cases. But I just wondered if you could perhaps go into those and and how AI, just so we can get a sort of narrative and better understanding how AI might help in, in those cases.
1: Yes. I mean, some of the examples could be the tele- telehealth, like you said, recently we saw COVID fraud. Um, we saw there is a lot of DME, which is kind of public. Everybody knows about the knee braces, um, unnecessary knee surgeries that, that has been performed or billed for, for the patients, um, remote monitoring. Um, home health I keep bringing that home health and skilled nursing facilities so there is so many areas where people can provide services or pretend like they provided services for a patient uh, under different entities for example a, a provider can register themselves for, um, and with the four or five different entities and they could be billing for the same patient from all those four entities uh, just because now they have an encounter with the patient so these are all some of the schemes that we see when we look at the data.
0: Right, so so, how would sort of AI, you know, uh, help in in that case? I mean, what what? How would they sort How would how would the technology um, sort of pick up on on these kinds of frauds?
1: So basically, we are looking to see if there is a trend of this provider uh, doing something similar over and over again to many patients. It's not just a one one-off case. It's it's there is a trend because they have realized the insurance is paying for this bill, so they continue to do it and you're trying to find those trends and patterns and then you benchmark those providers with similar specialty providers for similar diagnosis, then you kind of see where the outliers are. There's still investigations needs to be done when we find some of these outliers, but that's a start where we say there is an anomaly or an outlier behavior with this provider.
0: So so in other words, the providers, of I don't know, I'm just trying to come up with a, uh a sort of an example but um so the is sort of are billing for a lot of i don't know cancer patients or, or people who need sort of uh you know um limbs or something like that and that that's not sort of normal i guess um yeah compared with others and then you you pick up on that using uh ai
1: correct so for the similar uh patient with similar diagnosis and comorbidity, uh, what was the evidence-based medicine saying? So we do refer to evidence-based medicine heavily to see past 50 years what was the typical treatment duration and the outcome of those treatments versus what we are seeing with this provider.
0: So you would basically, I mean, the 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 artificial intelligence uh, uh, technology would just sort of scan, scan, I guess. Uh, providers is that how it would work and then they would just say hey well you know we just suddenly pick up um that this particular provider is is slightly different in the way he's he or she is billing."
1: correct so we are looking at it from the provider's lens right we are looking to see his billing patterns his treatment treatment patterns and comparing and benchmarking him to the other providers with similar specialties work uh, working with the similar kind of patients
0: Okay, and and how? Um, just just uh, I'm I'm just curious because um you know I um I'm, I don't know much about this technology. So how would you do? Would you just type in? Would you just type in a sort of an instruction? Would you and and then the and then the machine would sort of come back with a with a sort of with an answer? I mean, how does it? Was it more complex than that?
1: Yeah, it's more complex than that. So we kind of categorize it by uh, different. Uh, procedures, for example, and, and then say what procedure can be given for what kind of ICD for the diagnosis? And um, how how the other providers have given the uh, procedure for a certain diagnosis? How long did it take for this uh, for this particular diagnosis to be cured? Things like that, we we have built a corpus, and and that will help us determine if anything is an outlier. It will trigger off and say there is an outlier procedure that is given consistently by this provider.
0: Just how many people are actually using this AI now to to um, sort of catch sort of um, this kind of fraudulent activity? Was it still is it still fairly new?
1: It's probably fairly new, and mm-hmm. but more and more people are getting into it. More and more payers are looking for solutions uh, to solve some of the problems that they are facing um, and, and I think it, it can be done with the uh, cooperation with the payers, working with the payers very closely and, and making sure some of the outliers that we trigger is actually a true positive and it, it, uh, uh, <clears throat> it follows their, some of the business rules, business processes.
0: Are you mostly working in the in the states? Are you, or do you sort of work sort of internationally? With I, I'm just curious if, if this is sort of a uniquely. I mean, I appreciate fraud probably happens in every medical system around the world, but I just wondered the scale of the scale of fraud um, uh, because of the complexity and and the and the amounts of money that are involved. I just wondered if if the US is is different.
1: Yeah, US is huge, US is, uh, is big in terms of population as well as uh, the complexity of the healthcare and the guidelines, but US is also one of the few countries which uses the procedure codes as part of the guidelines. Whereas most of the international countries uh, do only use the international code of diagnosis to be able to say how much it needs to be paid. So that kind of makes it simpler from, from the payer perspective us here, we have the combination of procedure and diagnosis and, and the comorbidity and, like I said, the patient age and the condition and the gender. It just adds up the complexity much more than what I've seen in other countries.
0: Right, I guess because there's so many different um, ways of, of assessing assessing claims, right, or paying for claims here. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, from what I'm, I remember, Medicare Advantage was is, is a diagnosis uh code um medicare
1: advantage is is a supplement insurance that medicare hmm. um uh, uh, uh beneficiaries purchase and hmm. and it is provided by private commercial uh insurance payers yeah it's it's a yeah. premium uh, the the patient's pay which covers some things that above and beyond what medicare uh, uh, provides
0: right um have you have you worked on a, a Medicare advantage uh cases at all i know i know uh, we did a He's um, just looking at some how what some of the insurers were being accused of um, you, you know, using algorithms and data mining to get these high value codes so that they could get uh, sort of higher claims uh, from the CMS. Have, have you worked
1: yeah, on any Yes. Foreign Data Intelligence has worked with Medicare, Medicaid, uh, med supplement, commercial um, <clears throat> and, and AC claims. And they all have different flavors of fraud. Mm-hmm. Just because of the type of uh, plants they are.
0: Okay, and then um, I know you sort of said you had a sort of particular um, sort of what, interest or specialty in 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 opioid fraud. I, I wondered if you could maybe expand on that a little bit and um, what was happening there in terms of the opioid crisis and what sort of fraudulent activity was occurring.
1: Yeah, yeah. so opioid fraud is is little different than other fraud because it involves not just the providers; it also can involve a patient. Um, it could involve a pharmacy or a pharmacist. So it, it's a combination of all the four three or four parties coming together to commit uh, a fraud and tracking that lifeline of, of that fraud is, is because uh, is complex just because of multiple parties are involved and and that makes it a little bit hard. For example, a pharmacy pharmacist may be selling some of the drugs, In the black market, a a patient may be uh, pretending to be sick and and getting the prescription, which he's selling the the drugs on the market, and the providers may be oversubscribing uh, just because they have an incentive to
0: oversubscribe. So how how would, I mean... so in the case of AI, I mean, what would AI? how would AI detect or prevent fraud in that case?
1: So like I mentioned, uh, AI technology uh, uses all claims and looks at pro- by providers. So now we are trying to build a story around this provider's opiate treatment behavior or a or billing behavior. And once you have that, then you kind of trace back to see how, is it the same patient? Is the patient coming back again and again? And if we also have the pharmacy data, then we can also merge the data to see which pharmacy this, this is being dispensed and is there a pattern of over-prescribing, over-dispensing and, or under, under-dispensing under so it's called short, short shorting of some of the drugs. So we try to find again patterns and trends uh, in the opiate ca- case also.
0: Okay, and then um, I know you mentioned, I was just reading some of the stuff you've written um, and you sort of mentioned, I don't know where you were citing this from, but you mentioned uh that uh, in an article that one trillion in fraudulent, waste, wasteful, and abusive costs can be eliminated from the U.S. healthcare system by uh, 2030, which um, well, it seemed to me like it was, uh, was pretty fantastic, but pretty optimistic. I just wondered uh, whether you thought that was achievable and and why.
1: I mean, if, if some of the Medicare Medicaid big states like California, Florida, Texas. We all come hand in hand with technology companies like that, uh, like us, and work on Medicare, Medicaid fraud, um, and and some commercial payers, big commercial payers, uh, working along with for technology companies like foreign data intelligence. I think it's a very achievable uh, goal.
0: Okay, no, that that's interesting. Um, and um, and then you, the other thing you mentioned, we you, you talked about sort of providers constantly changing, well, I guess when you say providers, but fraudsters who are providers constantly changing their methods to avoid detection. I I just wondered if you could give some examples of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, providers know how editing system works pretty much because they have submitted bills so many times. So they know what gets denied and what does not get denied. So they use some of those uh, information and they do their own data mining to understand what bills can get paid um uh, then they can keep submitting more and more of that and they tweak the system in 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 making sure that they submit a lot of patients with that similar bills that they know it will get approved
0: right so yeah that i mean that's sort of it's interesting obviously you know the technology is uh fantastic in in the sense of how it you know it picks up on on patterns and very quickly and um but at the same time i guess you know the people who are Fraudsters are also using technology. I mean, just wondered how, how, just your thoughts on how AI is being used by fraudsters, and and how does that sort of dynamic work on on your side?
1: Yeah, it's it's always both sides of the coin, right? If mm-hmm. payers are using AI, even the providers can also be using AI to see which course gives them the highest uh, reimbursement, which. Bills gets paid easily without any rejections or without any uh, additional uh, inquiry into it. So they have a database of codes that they can use uh, that goes under the under the uh, radar. So they're constantly also using similar technology on the other side. So we need to keep up with, with what they're doing, <laughs> as, as just like they're trying to keep up with, with what uh, our technology is trying to do.
0: Uh, Does it come down to a question of who's got the smartest uh, AI system or is that how it works?
1: Yeah, I think we have a better advantage because we see claims in large volume as opposed to they see their own claim. So Mm -hmm. their vision is tunnel vision compared to what we see from from a very very broad view. So I think we still have upper hand in trying to catch some of this fraud uh, before it gets paid.
0: Right, so so you obviously have just you have access to. I guess there's a lot of information out there that you you can access in regards to the um, to the U.S. healthcare system, Medicaid, uh, and, and Medicare. I mean, how does how does that work? I mean, do you do, you, do are you given information or data um, that you can work with, or is the information freely available? What does that mean for sort of privacy issues, that sort of thing?
1: So some of the guidelines are publicly available available by the government, which we ingest it on on a regular basis. As they publish new guidelines, we uh, extract that information, all automated, and it comes into our system. As well, we need to also look into certain commercial payers, their uh, policies also, and we need to ingest that. And when we have those guidelines ingested, and then we receive the claims from, from our clients, we, uh, from our payers, we are looking and comparing against the guidelines that the federal government has regulated, state governments and fe- uh, federal government, as well as the commercial policies. And com- that's when we then see the outliers and the trends and the anomaly behaviors.
0: Are, are there regulations now? I mean, of the government sort of just in terms of AI and, and what can and cannot be used yet, or I assume people assume policymakers are still working on that kind of thing.
1: I do not think so. In fact, uh, government encourages to use technologies and predictive analytics and uh, advanced technologies to help fight the fraud. Um it, it's even if, though even we identify that doesn't mean someone is a fraud. There still needs to be some. Uh, investigation that goes on so there is always a a human element on the other side of those uh, uh, fence where we trigger a flag or saying something looks suspicious and then the investigation starts and that cannot be automated at at least for now Um, to pinpoint and say this is a fraud we need to build evidence we need to build a case to make sure that that is a true fraud and that can be pursued
0: right so it just points to the facts and then um, you you can use those facts uh... To prosecute, correct. So I was also just wondering. Uh, again, I guess like any technology, prices go down. But at the moment, I mean, uh, for the for your clients or for people who want to use AI um, to prevent and detect fraud, I mean, how costly is is this at the moment?
1: Uh, foral data intelligence has made it extremely accessible uh, by all payers. We we want to do. Uh, good with this technology. So it's not expensive. It's not uh, 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 breaking the bank. Uh, it's uh, adding to their existing system. We are sitting on top of their system or uh, integrating with their system so that we are not interrupting or, or um, disrupting their existing workflow. So we want to be the uh, almost, I call, them, call it a virtual SIU. We are on, uh, having an eyes on everything that is going on in the payer space to help them identify fraud before uh, prevent the fraud before it happens
0: okay that's, that's really interesting i think thank you so much for for talking to me today thank you i do no, i do i do appreciate that and you know thanks to our listeners uh as well um you can you can find this podcast along with all other episodes of fraud talk on acfe.com spotify itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast has been paul kilby signing off thank you